you are Locked On Indians, your daily Cleveland Indians podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Locked On Needs podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Ellis. Normally, I know Pat and I get together and chat for the Wednesday show. We're going to get together tomorrow. Uh, i got to figure things out when Caleb's going to start joining us as well on the show. And eventually, yes, they will be hosting their own nights. So those will be coming. For those who don't know, Jeff, my name, my name is Jeff Ellis. I am the host of Locked On Indians. Have been for over two years now. Before that, I wrote at Scout in 24-7, focused on prospects in the draft. And before that, I kind of really cut my teeth at Indians Prospect Insider, which became Baseball Insider. Speaking of the draft, it's Sunday. The Indians are going to gain a new top 10 prospect. <laughs> That's just the way of it. When you have a chance in a deep draft, uh, they'll gain probably three new guys in their top 20 overall prospects. A deep system is just going to get a lot deeper. Uh, we'll spend some time later in the week. I'll probably really focus in on Friday on the Indians in particular. Uh, maybe I'll do another quick mock. Uh, you know, i got to figure things out because I split time with the hosts and everything else. Uh, we have no game because of the postponement. We do have some bits of information that are leaking out and then some real information as well. So let's dig into that. So one of the leak out bits that has not been confirmed yet is it sounds like Eddie Rosario is indeed going to end up going on the injured list. Uh, soreness in his right side against the Rays made him leave uh, early in Monday's game, and he had that same issue against the Astros. Something's not right with him. I don't know if it's an oblique or what. Uh, you almost hope it's something like an oblique he tried to play through because that would explain why his performances dip so much. I, Daniel Johnson just makes all the sense in the world to add. As of now, he's already on the 40-man. He's an outfielder, Yes. The other ways to look at it would be call up Andres Jimenez and move Ahmed Rosario back to outfield. I don't know if that's something that they really want to putz around with as much right now, uh, but certainly possible as well. Those are probably your top two choices. In my mind, uh, I'm all for just, we got to see what we have in Daniel Johnson. Uh, just as a kind of down the road thing, I got into a big talk today in the Locked On chat speaking of Daniel Johnson about... You know, the, the Braves writer, Dylan uh, Short, was talking about, like, how, you know, the dream scenario is to get Brian Reynolds and uh, Rodriguez the closer. And, you know, what what he floated in there, to me, felt a little light. Like, he talked about, even in our chat, that it's going to take two top 100 guys. And then it was one top 100 guy in the package you mentioned uh, when you're getting the top reliever and the top outfielder on the market. And when I, I went through... I bring this up going back to Daniel Johnson because when I was working, I was like, hey, so, you know, Christian Pache is a really interesting player, but this Pirates team is super bad. Maybe the Indians can get in and help because it's like, I think the Pirates would want Langoliers. It seems that there's been some talk they're trying to add some catching. And I was like, well, maybe this could work out. Maybe this could be a three-team deal. So I wanted to bring this into the chat, uh, into the podcast today, see what people think. Now, I think inevitably they would have to do Michael Harris and Christian Pache, and then Pache goes to Cleveland. For those who aren't familiar, guy who was like a top 15 overall prospect in baseball, a potential gold glove center fielder, bat is light, you know, but probably a league average, a little bit better in league average bat, but physical tools for days, and again, chance to be like an elite, elite level defender, like a 70 grade glove in center field. And as we've talked about, the Indians have nothing in center field. So the Indians would get Pache, 
going to the Pirates. I'm adding Michael Harris, who wasn't originally mentioned. Uh, I went through and just, I used the trade value site, which is not great, but, you know, it's useful to kind of get an idea for things. Harris helps balance out with uh, Jared Schuster, who was the Braves' first-round pick a year ago, uh, going. So Schuster and Harris, and I'm blanking uh, on the other piece. But, you know, it's not as important to the Indian side of things. But the idea being that Pache is a really interesting prospect. If Cleveland were to then send Daniel Johnson, who does give a replacement outfielder, one with some ceiling, one they can, you know, talk about, but a, a player that is no, nowhere near the level of Pache. Uh, Bo Naylor, it might be a stinger. He is struggling in double A right now. Brian Levestida, I don't, I like. Like, I think he's a potential starter. Uh, if you're the Indians, it does kind of stink from the perspective that you don't have to trade Naylor. Uh, he, or you don't have to add him to the 40 man. He's not one of those guys, but you, you open a spot. Johnson for uh, Pache opens the spot. And then the third piece, Brian Riccolio. You know, I bring his name up all the time because they have so many infielders and because he's someone they have to add uh, and because he's the most valuable of that group. And he's the most valuable player that I'm the most willing to trade. So it just comes up with me. So at the end, the Pirates trade uh, Reynolds and Rodriguez. They get Naylor, Johnson to play now, uh, Rocco, Jared Schuster, Michael Harris, and one more like minor piece from the Braves. So they get six players, seven players for their two. That's a pretty good return. The Indians get a guy that can just drop in center field and let play. Uh, and again, they don't have any options there. So I, I think that's kind of interesting. And I put together the trade offer not realizing that the total value of Johnson, Naylor, and Rocco when I did, did, then went to the trade site just to, because I was curious to see how it balanced was like one point different. So those three players were uh, a point and a half more value than uh, Pache's predicted values. And again, it also kind of shows uh, value of prospects. Like Christian Pache was a year and a half ago untouchable. He was the star of the show there. He was a top 10 prospect just like Ahmed Rosario, just like many a prospect we've talked about on this show, there's such a high risk and there's such a big jump. I, I'm never going to be the player person who is overly precious with prospects. That's just, that's always been my MO for a decade plus. And yeah, you're getting a cost controlled center fielder, which is exactly what the team needs. You can move on from Bradley Zimmer. Uh, you open up one 40 man spot that way. You move on from Zimmer, that's two spots. Uh, you can move on from Mercado, that's three spots. You're starting to make room for these players who are performing well. And yeah, I, again, I know, catching. And the Indians, I mean, they could conceivably have no catchers. They could decide not to go to arbitration with Austin Hedges. And they could, I do not expect them to pick up Roberto Perez's option for next year. So they, they do need catching. There isn't like there's any available. They just officially added Wilson Ramos, who we talked about on the show yesterday. But I'm still willing to consider moving Bo Naylor. It's catchers are a crapshoot at best. Uh, you go through the top catcher ranks. It's not like any of them were high, high end prospects for the most part. It's like Yasmani Grandal was kind of a failure. Like he was a player who, when the Reds traded him away, he was his value as a catcher had really eroded. That's why he ended up going from the Padres to the Dodgers in a very minor deal. Uh, JT Romuto. I don't know if he was ever a top 100 prospect. Uh, you know, he just kind of evolved in time uh, down there. I'm trying to think who else. <laughs> I mean, it's not like we have a lot of great catchers. 
around baseball, but in general, it's just a position where uh, often the best players are not the high-end prospects. There are more high-end catching prospects coming through, guys like Aldi Rushman, Joey Bart, uh, Patrick Bailey a year ago, and there's a you know Henry Davis in this year's class. We're seeing a better developmental line with catchers, but they're even riskier than pitchers. So I'm totally, at the end of the day, they need a center fielder. That's just the truth, and they need a center fielder who can help them for multiple years. So I that was the trade I floated in chat. Uh, the Astros guys didn't like it. The Atlanta guy goes, no, it's logical. So tell me what you think. Would you be willing to pay that price, trade those three players to get someone like Christian Pache who you could then put in the center field uh, spot and just leave B. He's going to be probably more of like a seven or eight hitter, but uh, maybe could be more, but you just can put him there, get about a league average bat at, you know, worst case scenario, he's kind of like the player he's scheduled to replace, Ender, Ender Inciarte. Uh, that could be his low end comp, honestly. So just something to keep in mind. Uh, random thing as we're talking about Daniel Johnson. We're going to talk about uh, some other player movement in the organization in the second half of the show. So just hold on for a minute and uh, we'll talk about some fun uh, moves that occurred in the minors. Our sponsor today is Green Room. You know Green Room. It used to be Locker Room. Uh, Spotify bought it, so now it's Green Room. And it's the same thing. Actually, it's better for me over on Android because the way it works is I can actually see the chat now. When it was still a Locker Room over on Android, I had no access to chat. It works the same way. I host a Locked on Indians room in there most Saturdays. I tend to make a comment or statement about that when I uh, when I open it up, when I uh, do that. So you can find that on Twitter to get more information. You know, we can chat. I sometimes sit there. No one shows. I can sit there quietly. Sometimes I have like a fun one-on-one conversation with someone. Other times I'll just sit there and uh, record for the show and talk about, you know, I did a 53-pick mock in there once. Just fun things like that. There's a whole bunch of things that can be done, uh, and I enjoy doing it. So go check out the Green Room app. You can download it on Android or iOS. It's brought to you by Spotify. That is Green Room. Join and talk to me soon over on that uh, the app. Probably do a room on, uh, if I don't do it on draft night, I'll do it uh, on day two. So also make sure to check that out. So let's talk about some of the organizational moves. You know, we talked about the fun of Logan Allen getting the promotion, uh, and I had my whole stat for a while about the fact that you know, the Cleveland Indians, the top five starting pitchers listed, listed, listed on their roster in Akron had combined for zero pitches. That is still true. We are into July. Big change, though, today. So they, they promoted Logan Allen. That's one. Two, they activated Cody Morris and Adam Scott. So two of those top five aren't going to pitch this year due to Tommy John surgery. That's Carlos Vargas and Ethan Hankins. Joey Cantillo, we have still not seen. I was talking to a reporter down there who's got a whole article queued up. He's just waiting for him to play. Uh, you know, we had a chance to talk to him before the season began, got some great information. You know, Cantillo's a kid who came from, he was a high school kid in Hawaii. So I'm sure that, uh, you know, I won't reveal the source there, but it, it's, and he's a great writer. So I know that uh, it's probably a great article, but Cantillo's been hurt. You get Scott, who was the guy who was a senior sign, who they gave more than senior sign money, who I do think average stuff. I think he gets slept on a lot, and that's Adam Scott, because uh, I think he could be a reliever. I, I honestly think he's got the stuff there to be a reliever. Uh, I don't want to throw the Julian Merriweather cop because Merriweather looks so good this year before he got hurt. But it's kind of that similar thing. I, he, he's always been a starter, but I think everything's going to play up a little bit more for Scott. And Cody Morris has been my helium guy for a few years now. He really popped. You go and you look at Zips. He was a top 50 prospect, again, for reasons. <laughs> Statistically, this guy performed well. 
South Carolina has not been the best developmental program. That's just the truth of the matter. You can go through and find programs. It's like uh, one of my favorite sleepers in this year's class, Nico Cavadas, Notre Dame player. He spent his first, what, three, he's a senior, three to four years getting just no developmental coaching because that program was maybe as bad as it got for that for a long time. Things like that are important to know. Uh, So Morris came to the Indians. They worked with him. He made great strides. He looked really good in 2019. Like he's a guy who needs to be added to the 40 man. He is one of my must adds uh, for them. And I think if he pitches well, and I think he will, uh, he's everything about him just screams like he's a big kid, good velocity. Don't sleep on Cody Morris. And when you're looking at Morris Scott and the promotion of Logan Allen, the younger, also in that rotation is really fun. Uh, they had a lot of guys like not to knock the Tanner Tullys and Alec Wisely's and Eric Mox of the world. But there's a reason why those guys are going up and down and all around, left and right. You know, they're they're, they're the fillers a negative term. I mean, they are the glue of your system. So you need that type. You need those glue arms, and that's what they were. But these are the prospects. These are the guys who have a chance to help the Cleveland Indians going forward. All of a sudden, like I said, that rotation's a lot of fun. It's really interesting to look at. It's really interesting to talk about. If I was doing a prospect listing, I'm sure I could go pull my old one. Logan Allen, I had higher than Cody Morris, but I don't think it was more than three to four spots different. Like, I think Allen was 10th amongst my prospects in system. And Logan Allen was, or Logan Allen, Cody Morris around 14th, 15th, or 16th. Uh, So that's kind of where I had those players. Scott was not a top 30 guy. He's, I don't think he's a starter. I think he's more of a reliever, and he's kind of more fringy, which is why he's back a bit further. But those two guys in particular with Allen and Morris are, you know, if you are in the area and you want to go catch a game, those are going to be fun players to watch. Uh, even though the outfield has gotten significantly weaker in the past week, uh, they they just had another player get promoted out of their outfield. Uh, that player being Oscar Gonzalez. Now we've talked about Oscar multiple times on the show. He's a interesting player and he's a unicorn He's a solidly built 6'2", 180, so far in Akron. In 49 games, he had 13 home runs. And that is not a park that is easy to hit for home runs. That is tied, also ties his career high, which was 13 back in 2018 in Lake County. He's hitting 330 with a 353 bat hip, walking 5.5% of the time, career high for him uh, in affiliate ball not counting like Dominican or Arizona leagues. Uh, strikeout percentage, like he was never a guy who struck out 30% of the time. He's interesting in that regard. Even though he seems to swing at everything, uh, his strikeout rate has always been kind of more like high teens, low 20s. It is sitting at 18% this year. But again, the power, it, the walk percent we talked about with him before, like he is the guy who, you know, he had three walks in 96 at-bats when he got promoted to double A. Uh, he struggled mightily. The numbers ran into a wall. He was a guy who was kind of like borderline top 20 prospects for me that year. Uh, and then you wanted to see, like, he keeps hitting. He just keeps hitting. Uh, defensively, he's kind of a mess. Uh, I get reports about, you know, bad breaks, uh, just not enough movement speed out there. He, he's a left fielder all the way. If he's anything, uh, maybe more of a DH. But he just keeps performing. Like, and... I never want these are the type of players that you never want to discount. This is the type of thing where it comes back to bite you in the backside. 
because the power is emerging in a place that is not power friendly. He is showing improvement in areas. Is could he get eaten alive and be more nothing more Nakwate guy? Absolutely. Is there a chance he's something a little bit better? Yeah. It's not the most likely situation, but you you have minor leagues for that reason because maybe he is. Um, you know, I did get asked about the the Vladimir Guerrero comp, um, and it's never my favorite to throw just because you know you're talking about again when you talk about a unicorn that was Vladi. And the other thing with Vladi is he walked. Like I know he swung at everything, but he also had like an eight percent walk rate throughout his major league career. And he was a good defender until he, you know, got older. He had that cannon. He could cover ground. Uh, when I look at Oscar Gonzalez, you know, I could go over, not be lazy. I'm going to pause this podcast. And this isn't to, like, dig on anyone who, who did that, uh, came up with the comp. We all kind of – and I can understand why. It's because you're seeing um, Oscar Gonzalez swing at pitches that he has no business swinging on and somehow – still making contact and making hard contact. And I understand that part of it, but like a better statistical comp, give me one second here. I'll pull one right now. Let's see if there's anyone like him in the big leagues. So this one, I actually found one I like. Randall Gearchuk, the Toronto outfielder, former uh, Angel and uh, St. Louis Cardinal. Throughout his minor major league career though, he's at a, well, like a 5.5. That is high. But he does have the power potential that you kind of see and like when it comes to uh, what Oscar can, Gonzalez can do. The more pronounced player for this might actually be Salvador Perez. Salvador Perez for his career is at a 17% walk or strikeout, which is, you know, uh, Gonzalez will be higher than that. But he's only at a 3.4% walk rate. So he's the hitter. And, you know, at peak, he's at 21, 22, 27, 27, 11, 20 home runs. He was... A solid defender behind the plate. Uh, this this might actually be the best comp. You go through and you look at uh, what's occurring years where he's at like three point four percent walk and a nineteen percent strikeout. I mean, I kept waiting for him to fail every year, and it just it didn't happen. He had years. I mean, his worst year in terms of runs created plus was an eighty seven. Uh, as a catcher, that's phenomenal. Yes, when you're looking at Oscar Gonzalez's potential DH, that is not phenomenal, but that it. When you are that extreme, it just it limits you. Uh, it just limits your potential outcomes. Uh, just I was going down the list, seeing if there's anyone else because you really want to look at the guys under about you know under five percent. And this year it's like Javi Baez, uh, Dallas Garcia, David Fletcher, Randy Gearchuk, Jose Iglesias, Isaiah Kinnear, Felea, Loredis Gorel Jr., and Salvador Perez. So it is it's a hard profile to project out as a starter. Uh, the one thing he does that I feel, you know, that Salvador Perez also was able to do, and a lot of the players in this group have not, which is he's he's hit for a good, a pretty good average in the minors. So that, that's, again, you, you want to give him a chance. You want to see, hey, maybe this will work out. Maybe this can progress. Uh, I mean, it's... In a bad year, Eddie Rosario's at 5.6% walk, 15.4% strikeout. That might be more the comp, like the bad defender uh, with the power ability that's there. Now, Eddie Rosario at peak could do much more than that, but just a name to keep in mind. Uh, I think it's interesting. We'll talk in the second half a little bit about some players performing well in AAA. Uh, I spent some time, you know, I talked about that potential trade idea at the top of the show. Let me know. 
uh, about that. But I decided with, okay, so everyone and their mother wants Brian Reynolds for good reason. He's going to hit 30 home runs and he leaves all outfielders on base percentage. And you have, what, four or five, four years of team control? He's going to get this on the moon and the stars. Uh, Cedric Mullins actually has a higher runs created plus than Brian Reynolds and is a better defender in center. He's going to cost uh, everything as well. What happens maybe, and I pulled up the list for yesterday's show and ran out of time because that game uh, got me so mad that you know I looked at data from 2018 through 2021, looking who the top like center fielders are, trying to find someone under the radar. I cut it back from 2019 to 2021. By the way, going back to 2019, Brian Reynolds is still like fifth in baseball. That's how bad center field is. He had one of the worst 2020 seasons of anyone on the planet in terms of like regression, and he's still eighth. It's really hard to find a center fielder. I went and looked at the data for this year, and like, would Texas trade uh, Adalos Garcia? We, I just talked about him and kind of the, well, this is the unsustainable camp of players. We don't expect to keep this up, but I, he's like one of the lower run guys. There's not a lot of great center field options. Uh, you know, it, Harrison Bader, where are we going to go? There's not so long, short story long, taking what I had done, that time I spent kind of doing that research, I then decided to, let's just look at guys in double A or triple A who have played center field, who are the ones who have the highest runs created plus, who is producing, and we'll talk about that list as it relates to the Indians in a bit. And we'll also talk about that list just with some fun names after a quick break to talk about some of our fantastic sponsors. Okay, everyone, our sponsor is Built Bar. And if you're listening to this, I'm going to tell you, go to Built Bar uh, right now. See if they have any of the grasshopper cookie left. They sent me a free trial of this back in May. It is my favorite flavor. It is going to be at midnight Mountain Standard Time that you can get availability for it. For me, Midnight Mountain Standard Time is 1 in the morning. I'm up already, I'll be honest. So I'm going to sit back and be placing an order at midnight for three boxes. I love it. Again, it's good for you. My health food apps constantly rate it an A. Uh, It's delicious. It's something that I'm going to set a timer to make sure that I get this particular one. Go to BuiltBar.com. Everyone loves it. There's no one. The only negative in chat has been someone who... Uh, due to religious um, beliefs, they can't eat it because there is gelatin-based product in it. Uh, that That's the only negative. Everyone else, we get so excited when we get free Built Bar. It's so good. It's so good for you. BuiltBar.com, promo code LOCKEDON15. It's what I'm going to use when I order today because that is the same discount I get as a returning customer. You're getting that 15% that me, the person who's done like six shipments, gets. So LOCKEDON15, BuiltBar.com. And again, I'm telling you, go get some grasshopper. Uh, well, by the time you listen to this, I will have already got my order. So yeah, go get it. If it's still there, go get the grasshopper. I think it's the best one they have. BuiltBar.com, promo code LOCKEDON15. Quick moment here. I want to give a big thank you to uh, The Real Bake Show, who left a review back on the 28th. Very, very kind words. Loves that it's every day. And then uh, loves the take on the prospects. I have been giving a little pushback. That's all of my prospect takes. I appreciate that people are enjoying uh, my view. I don't want to yuck anyone's yum. It's all about different interpretations and ways we view players. Uh, I am very conservative when it comes to the draft. When it comes to prospects, uh, I tend to still stay that way a little bit. 
but I also I value more than one tool. It's why I'm lower on Ty Freeman in the crowd. It's the same reason I was lower on Francisco Mejia, uh, especially because hit tool I think is almost impossible to accurately judge, uh, effectively judge. And when it's your only tool, uh, as it was with you know Francisco Mejia in particular, it's a streaky tool. Uh, it's one of those you can get. Your hit tool is the one tool that no matter how good you are at it, you can just be unlucky. I was talking about Adam Frazier, for instance, of the Pirates. Adam Frazier, if you haven't followed the Pirates, is a big trade asset. He's having a fantastic year. He's probably, I don't know if he's in the All-Star game or not. He's hitting like 315. Throughout his career, he's been about a league average bat. He was really bad in 2020. And you can go and you look at him. Okay, he doesn't walk a ton, but his walk rates, his strikeout rates, his home run rates, almost everything is the same. What was his difference in 2020 and his difference in 2021? Why did he go from below average to well above average? Bat pip, which is batting average of balls in play. It's a pure luck stat. Uh, it just shows that on average, the average player should be around the 285, I want to say, maybe 290. Faster players, it tends to be higher. Uh, in the lower minors, it's actually a terrific indicator. Uh, I believe it was Chris Mitchell, who I really miss his writing. I was looking up some stat stuff on players, and I came upon his old Cato stuff. I wish him well. He left the baseball and went to the private sector. Chris did some great work. But I believe it was Chris who pointed out and did the research about bat pip in lower minors and against worse competition is actually a great indicator of success. I've talked about that on the show many times. It's one of your best ways to evaluate a hit tool, honestly. But to go back to this, Adam Frazier is the same player this year as he was last year. It's just this year he's been incredibly lucky. Last year he was incredibly unlucky. He has about a 100-point differential in his bat pips comparing 2020 to 2021. And that's also why... Uh, He's great performance. It's going to make it harder for the Pirates to trade him because I don't think he's moved the needle to teams. He's a league average bat. There's value in that, and he's got a year and a half of control. But it might have actually, in some regards, hurt his value because uh, the way he's playing right now, it's going to push up his arbitration number. So if he'd been close to league average, which is what he is, instead of having this borderline all-star year, because, I mean, he'll probably regress. But nothing, he has, nothing about him has changed outside of luck. So that's, that's where I get into things when I talk about the hit tool, just to give that background and that understanding. Uh, all of this because I wanted to thank The Real Bake Show for leaving a review. And again, thank you. We're up to 88. Let's get 12 more out there. If you have a chance, uh, drop me a review. It'd be great. Uh, 12 away from 100. I like numbers like that. Over on Twitter, I'm at like 2,900. So you know, if you have an account and you're listening to the show but not following me, I'm at Jeff MLB Draft. That would be much appreciated. I turned 40 on the day of the draft. So, you know, if you want to get me a 40th birthday gift, uh, make sure to download daily, uh, write a review, and follow me on Twitter. That's that's all I'd ask from you. Uh, and to those who have done any or all of those things already, thank you. But let's talk about uh, this, this stat. So this was fun. I went and I was looking for center fielders because, man, is it a barren ground for the Cleveland Indians. Number one is Edward Olivares, and he has a big gap on anyone below him. He is with the Royals. They're not trading him. He is one of those guys, though, that the San Diego Padres traded for Trevor Rosenthal. He's one of those players who was a pretty good prospect. He was like kind of in the Owen Miller range for the, uh, the Padres system. Why did they move him in particular? Both players they traded for Trevor Rosenthal. It was a great return for Kansas City, but for the Padres... They traded guys who had to be added to the 40-man. They were under a crunch already. They knew they were going to be under that crunch. So they specifically targeted trading prospects who had to be added. Olivares is one of those guys. He's 
far and away the top uh, outfield type of prospect. Uh, Yaren Duran is, I believe, Long Beach State uh, defensive first guy. Thomas Malone, not the pitcher, former Rays prospect that the Yankees got. Number four on this list, Will Benson. That's right. Will Benson has the fourth best runs created plus amongst anyone in double and triple A who spent time in center field. I don't know what to make of Will Benson. I was actually looking at numbers. I'm like, oh, that's a really good comp. Now let me see if I can. Uh, Okay, so caveat, 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 caveat. Let's have about 40 caveats. If Will Benson can grow into his six foot five frame and hit for more power and start connecting just a little bit more, he could be, you know, who walks like who has. So, first off, Yandy Diaz has the fourth highest walk percentage in baseball, Carlos Santana sixth. And Robbie Grossman, who I've talked about this show many times, eighth. Just, you know, putting those names out there, just some fun with this. Chris Taylor has been a player we I've often talked about trying to trade for uh, with the Dodgers is 14th. I'd still love to trade for him and figure out a spot. Uh, but Joey Gallo. So caveat city, okay? I'm not saying Will Benson is Joey Gallo. But they both have those not great hit tools. Gallo has more power. Like Gallo's always been like 80 grade power. Uh, Benson's more like 60. That's why it's more of a poor man's Joey Gallo. But maybe there's a world where Will Benson is poor man's Joey Gallo. Joey Gallo is a 212 hitter for his career. Uh, you know, those 209s, 206s, 181s. Like, that's Will Benson range. Uh, I don't think Will Benson and the Bigs would ever hit for more than that. Now, Gallo is also a, you know, he gets graded as a premium defender playing third in uh, corner and center outfield at points. Other people don't grade him as well, but, you know, I throw it out there. I I don't know what you do with Will Benson. It, he's really hard to figure out. Uh, do you add him to the 40-man at the end of the season? He's not on my list. He's not one of the 12 players right now that I think they really need to strongly consider adding. Uh, but he's playing his way to the point where I don't know what you make of him. Uh, but yeah, fourth highest runs created plus of any center fielder. Go down that list. Jake Myers is an interesting player with the Astros. Otto Lopez with Toronto, really a guy to keep your eye on. Uh, 22, the youngest of this group I've mentioned so far. Seventh, Taron Vavra. Uh, do I need to talk about Taron Vavra? I heart him. I'm making a little heart hands right here. I have hearted him since uh, his Minnesota days. Son of a coach, young for his class, cold weather. Every single thing I look for is like, okay, so there's more here. Like, okay, he has a high bat pip. He walks at a tremendous rate. He doesn't strike out every single thing. Every single thing. There was not one area uh, when I do my specific checklist of like 10 traits that I'm looking for. Because these 10 traits to me signify a player who has more growth. Because that's what I'm looking for. Who has the most growth potential? There's Taron Vavra, who's also playing like five positions. You know, he was a second base shortstop playing some center field this year, and he's also in double A. 16.8% walk rate. Oh, man, and they got him for Michael Givens, I want to say, the closer. I was really sad when I saw that trade happen. I was like, couldn't Cleveland have traded something for him? I mean, I know we're in contention, but I really like Taron Vavra. Going down, eighth, Alex Call. That's right, Alex Call. Uh, to give you an idea, just to kind of talk about like uh, 
you know, you're like, oh, well, this is a lot of not big name prospects. Ninth, Josh Lowe, who was a first round pick with Tampa, was clumped with kind of Nolan Jones uh, prospect wise in their draft picks. Jared Kalenic at 10, Nick Plummer. Nick Plummer is crazy because, I mean, I loved him. Brothers Christian in Michigan, St. Louis Cardinals first round pick. I had him in the top 15 players and he struggled. This is a guy who never had a 700 OPS in his minor league career. Uh, it's over 800 this year. He's making great contact. He's a sturdy little guy, extremely young for his class. I'm curious to see if he gets a chance or if there's a team who maybe also liked him years ago in the draft who would uh, give him an opportunity. 12th, Peyton Burdick, uh, the right State outfielder who is a top 100 prospect. Plain simply, he is. Uh, you go down Riley Green, the high first-round pick to Detroit. Alec Thomas with uh, Arizona. You can keep keep going down that list. There are players, mix of, of big names, not big names. Austin Martin, who was the fifth overall pick and the number one player in the class to me last year. Uh, Esteban Floreal, who I'm not as high on. Bubba Thompson, another one of those big prospect guys doing a rebound. Everyone loves reading a list, right? But So we already talked about Will Benson. And I gave you the ridiculous comp. Go ahead, make fun of me for it. Uh, again, Joey Gallo light. Best outcome, Joey Gallo light. I'm not calling him Joey Gallo. I gave you 100 caveats on that. Don't I don't want to see it appearing tomorrow. Uh, somewhere online that I was saying he's the next, uh, uh, the next Joey Gallo somewhere. Uh, so Alex Call has not had anything written about him over here, pulling up his fan graph stats since uh, he was on the mentioned in the top 30 prospects list in 2019 for the Cleveland Indians. Third round pick out of Ball State. Again, it's marvelous the Indians got anything for Yonder Alonso. Uh, he came over in 2018 and or after the 2018 season, and he was a guy that he was a borderline top 10 prospect for me in that White Sox system. Uh, 23 years of age, so he was old for the level. But he split the year between high A, where he is old, and double A, where he is not. A 126 and a 110 runs created plus. He's always walked at a decent rate. A little bit of pop, not a ton. Probably not a center fielder, more of a left fielder. You know, there were limitations. But again, you don't draft a guy in the third round unless you think there's a chance this guy can be a big leaguer. Comes to Cleveland in 2019, 81 games, not great. Let's just be honest, not a great year for him. Uh, in Double A Akron, this year, phenomenal. Like there's no other way around it. 141 runs created plus 310, 389, 503 slash. Uh, he's continued. Uh, it's only six games in Triple A, but a 14% walk rate, 14% strikeout rate. Average is a 217, but on base 357, 4, 478 slugging, 124 runs created plus. He's doing things well, and he's performing. Well across the bell, the bell, no, the board, and you know I'm not saying he's going to come out here and be a player for the Indians, and he's unlikely to get a shot in the big leagues this year because they already have a ridiculous Rule Five crunch, and he's not a priority prospect. But he just continues to be about league average across everything, and now he's performing. And yeah, he is old for the level, and. I mean, they're the, with the Cleveland Indians, he was drafted way back in 2016. So he's not a, uh, a free agent, minor league free agent, until the end of next season. I expect him to still be with the team. Uh, he is performing well. If he continues to perform well this entire year, he might force their hand. 
you know, it might be someone where all of a sudden they, they decide to call him up or they realize, hey, we got to add him because he's performed so well. And, you know, they're the ones who get that advanced data. I don't know what his, you know, his outs above average are. I don't know what his bat speed is. But I'd be curious to see. I'd be curious to find out. But Alex Call, along with Oscar Gonzalez, who we talked about on the show, getting the promotion to AAA with Daniel Johnson. It's an interesting outfield right there with those three. And you can't help but wonder, specifically, Oscar Gonzalez gets promoted today. Tomorrow, the Indians need a 27th man. They also likely tomorrow will do a roster move when Eddie Rosario goes on the disabled list, because I believe he will. So you call up Oscar Gonzalez because you know Daniel Johnson's getting called up. You need to, you know, make the chain of, you know, players rise. So if Daniel Johnson's moving up, Oscar Gonzalez is moving. We'll see if anyone from that talented uh, Lake County roster gets gets the next bump. But yeah, uh, Alex Call and Will Benson, two of the 10 best performers by Runs Creative Plus, kind of a, an all-in-one stat in terms of offensive production amongst players who have played center field in double and triple A. Uh, I hope you've enjoyed the show today. I had fun kind of doing the numbers dig and talking about all of these players. Oh, man, super long show. I apologize. I have been Jeff Ellis. This has been the Locked on Dean's podcast. Remember, rate and review, download daily. And for the next year, maybe two, go Tribe.